Sacred Space on West Lim- Okay, welcome back again to the Come and See Studios here in Adep. My name is John Keeley. Thanks again for joining us. This morning, I'm delighted to invite studio for the first time, actually to this studio for the first time, Father Richard Keane. How are you? <clears throat> I'm feeling very good. Uh, thank you. It's been a very busy week. Um, just getting ready to move house. Have a house. I think anybody's moved house can tell you it can be traumatic. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's just been uh, busy and uh, ready to move across the Atlantic um, to um, do my licence in Canada. Law. So yeah, it's very busy time and uh, <laughs> exciting. <laughs> well, listen. Just to start back from the start, people would like to know how did Father ever get involved at all with priesthood and so on and so forth. So we might go back there for a little while. Okay, it's a small like, little bit in the family background. Oh, yes. Um, I came from quite a religious uh, background. We didn't have any um, body in the priest's or religious life, but uh, mm. tremendous faith at the same time. Um, grew up in Jensboro and uh, Limerick City, <clears throat> our Lady Queen of Peace Parish. Uh-huh. And uh, my mother would be very religious, um, tremendous faith. Like they said, the rosary and, you know, um, go to Mass on a, on a daily basis. And our father, uh, John O'Halloran, <clears throat> was a tremendous childhood influence on me. Um, I can remember, I think I must have already been maybe three at the uh, the, 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 uh, the eldest, he, he calling down on Saturday morning and taking me by the hand from Jamesboro, you know, about a mile or two down to the Dominican church, you know. Oh, lovely. Yeah, in St. Saviour. So I remember Saint doing Saint that yeah. every Saturday morning as a, as a very young child and a tremendous faith he had in the... Tremendous respect for priests and tremendous respect he had for the Mass, I think that was it. And uh, I used to go on pilgrimages <clears throat> with him as well, um, up to Knock and places like that uh, a couple of times a year. And then uh, I was uh, an altar server <clears throat> as well. Uh-huh. From, I think uh, from quite a young age, I was probably in, in third class up to the end of primary school and then... Um, I think every summer it's be up every day, sometimes twice a day, uh-huh. the morning mass and the evening mass serving. So it's a tremendous um, say respect for, for, for priests, but a tremendous love for mass and uh, a, a tremendous sense of um, the tremendous, the great respect that people had to, who had faith, yes. had for yeah, the mass. Yeah, you know? yeah. And so they're growing up now, did your brothers, I mean, I mean, do you have brothers and sisters, you do? Yeah, I have one sister, one brother. And would they have been as religious as self in terms of... Oh, no, you know, I, no, you're quite religious, but I suppose Shane is searching, is like a, is a, a <laughs> physicist, you know. I think he's probably read about more theological books than I have, he's read like all of Ratzinger's books and... Uh, oh, very good, and, very uh, good. Carl Ryan and everything, but he's very intellectual, so he's trying Okay. to find a, an intellectual kind of uh, <clears throat> nuance in his life um, yeah an intellectual reason for believing whereas like I'd be like from like a, <clears throat> a philosopher called Soren Kierkegaard so you have to take a leap of faith you know? yeah 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 mm. so growing up you went to school you went to secondary school maybe <clears throat> around Limerick <clears throat> what did you think of then doing leave a certain so and so forth that you might like to do well, I said, uh, interestingly enough, I think um, when I was in 15, 16 class in primary school, uh, they used to often ask the, the lads in the class like, yeah, yeah. what they'd like to do. And yeah. back then, I always said I wanted to be a priest, you know, it was something I just you said that, yeah? Yeah, felt a calling to do, you know. It's funny, people sometimes say, if you ask someone in 15, 16 what they'd like to do, sometimes um, what they eventually end up doing, you mightn't be too far away because even at that age, uh, yeah, maybe yeah. you're that 11, 10, 11, 12, you sometimes have a sense of 
what you can or can't okay, do. Okay. You know, sense of your gifts. Mm. So it comes it, it come to time, you've done the leave and start, and then at that stage, then you have to make a decision as to which way to go. So how yeah, did you go about it? Well, I, I was talking to the career guidance counsellor in St. Clement's College in Limerick. I said I very much felt about being a priest, but like, you know, I was quite young at the time, yeah. uh, 18, so I wanted just maybe a couple of years more discernment. Yeah, so yeah. I, I went to Mary Eye and did... Um, the, 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 the BA course okay. in, in Mary I think uh, so I think the options there would have been either going to a H-step and try and become um, a secondary school teacher or okay. um, uh, some other you know, academic kind of uh, line of um, work yeah. but uh, I remember I, I was off in England for a year kind of you know, Erasmus programme yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, in my third year in college and uh, one time my mother came to me and a very good friend of hers. Um, her friend's husband had died, so um, I felt yeah, what I should do really is uh, go and meet a, a priest in Huddersfield, ground oh, yeah, yeah. in Yorkshire, mm-hmm. in, in my dead country, yeah. and, um, um, and uh, get a mass card <coughs> uh, mm-hmm. for uh, <coughs> this man. So I did, I went up and uh, called at the presbytery in Huddersfield and started having a conversation with um, the priest there and uh, getting the mask card which was going to send back to Ireland <clears throat> and um, the priest uh, very much um, you know, having a conversation he mm-hmm. said did you ever consider did you ever think that you might have a vocation like it was like an epiphany like a, yeah, yeah. a moment of clarity yeah, yeah. just felt right and uh, said, yeah, there's something you like to do. So it's quite euphoric, really, when you Wasn't commit it? yourself to do something that you want to do. There's a tremendous sense of, yes, this is the right thing to do, you know? And, uh, you know, that's... It must be like scoring a, a goal in no. a cup final or something, you know? No. That sense of, yes, this is... My life has a specific meaning and purpose, and this is it, you know? But obviously the Lord's hand was in there somewhere. Because oh, absolutely, yeah, to, to meet that priest and for him to think about asking me. Because, I mean, he had been in the back of my mind <clears throat> yeah. for a long time, but this was like... Clarity, you know, this was like how old would you be? <clears throat> Back in ninety five, uh, about twenty one. That's twenty one ish. Okay, so the next step then. Oh, next step then. I initially decided to join the Jesuits, um, probably because of the whole um, emphasis on philosophy and theology. So uh-huh. I, I joined their the visit, which was in Birmingham. Back in '96, uh-huh. and a bunch of other lads, from, uh, mostly from Britain, <clears throat> um, the, the Jesuit program. We do two years mm-hmm. the visit, then you go and do further studies, and uh, there's lots of projects. And everything. it takes you quite a long time to be ordained a priest and <clears throat> in the Jesuits. But um, I was in two years a novice, <clears throat> and did lots of different programs with them, you mm-hmm. know, retreats, and um, at a practical level, um, we. We call us apostolates with like okay, pastoral yeah. placements, and yeah. I used to go down and help um, a dropping centre for homeless alcoholics in Birmingham, mm-hmm. and make the porridge and the tea, and be chatting to guys, befriending them. We are playing. Yeah. It was amazing how intelligent some of these guys were, you know, yeah. homeless alcoholics, and how well read they were, and such tremendous games of Scrabble and chess with them and everything. Mm-hmm. And then there was an outreach project there. We used to help make the dinner <clears throat> for Very them good. and okay. the Christmas dinner, that type of thing, and. Yeah. Um, and then um, went over to Dublin for a while, helping help in an AIDS housing project, just helping out uh, with the clients there. And um, after that, I went to the 40 day retreat, <clears throat> uh, this the Jesuit retreat yeah. uh, in St. Bono's in Wales. Um, any fans of George Banny Hopkins? <laughs> you know that place. Yeah. Very beautiful, um, uh, idyllic <clears throat> countryside. Yeah, yeah. 
and uh, did the 40 day retreat there which is you're contemplating the life of Jesus brought from his birth he's there to save us and help us and rescue us uh, due to his ministry the ways like you get a sense of what Jesus is calling you to do with your own particular set of gifts and talents you know and um, <clears throat> then um, very much we contemplate his, his passion and, and his resurrection so I mean do you know that Jesus is rich which are the hard times of life and He's calling you to rise, transcend those <clears throat> difficult times, you know, and to realize he's with you and he loves you and the hope and faith and strength. And, and just the fact it is an experience of knowing that, you know, you're loved by God and just mm. to receive that love and respond to it by following his call. So I found that, that very good. And um, also with the Jesuits spent time up in Caramila, <clears throat> um, it's a place called Protestant children and, young, and Catholic oh, children, right. okay. like teenagers that get together playing football or camping and that type of thing mm. for a week, you know, get more overcoming boundaries and prejudice and, you know, and mm, just mm. Uh, um, be friends for a week type thing, which was back in the 90s, was very good. And then um, I also um, spent time in uh, Winston Prison uh, in Birmingham, in Birmingham yeah. seat, you know, listening to people and that. And... Um, Went to South America for three months, and then, oh. um, which was interesting, like, out in the jungle. But, uh, I'd say. <laughs> I uh. got off on the, the speedboat to, with the priest to um, various... Outstations. Outstations, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, you know, these visits. And uh, and then when my time with the judge was culminated with walk, doing a 300-mile walk in Spain. And our father fancy was picking through... Um, beforehand, he was probably speaking to you about the Camino. That's you know? right. That's right. The Camino, more or less in reverse. I mean, the Camino is like going from the east to the west. Like people usually start off maybe in Lourdes or maybe near Barcelona and march go off the Camino towards um, yeah. Santiago, you know, uh, yeah, um, yeah. Campostela, Campostela yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is in Galicia, which is on the, the west coast of Spain. Yeah. So I, I was starting, I was doing, I was following the footsteps of Ignatius Loyola the founder of the Jesuits. Uh -huh. So I was beginning like um, in Loyola, uh, where he was born, um, walking towards Pamplona, where he was injured as a soldier, which led to his spiritual conversion, and walking on to um, uh, Montserrat, which is a famous uh, Benedictine uh, monastery near Barcelona. You know, it's yeah. got the Madonna Negra in it, yeah. which is very interesting in the story of Ignatius because he was a soldier. So when he went to Montserrat, he left his, his sword behind him and uh. took up a pilgrim staff. You know, he was renouncing yeah. his old way and becoming a pilgrim for Christ. And we eventually got as far as Manresa, where he said he'd spent time actually living in a cave where he'd written his spiritual exercises, uh. which are like the, the main um, um, spiritual um, uh, guide for the Jesuits yes. and Ignatian spirituality. So, but I joined that walk. I'd met lots of diocesan and priests along the way, and I was very struck about the way that they were able to do their ministry and you know have to spend time with their families and everything too. So I felt I started to think, yeah, I mean, the church was very international dimension. Yeah, it was like going abroad was I felt more or less called back to Limerick, you know. And yes, um, yes. So after that, I I, I decided to um, spoke to my um, my novice director, my novice master, and um, we got in touch with then Bishop Limerick, Don Murray, and I was accepted into the Diocese of Limerick. I was very happy about that because I was able to balance you know, pastoral work with uh, spending time with um, being able to see the family once or twice a week as well, you know. That was great. But it was I'm more sure. my vocation. I think that a lot of guys in religious life have a vocation that they're happy to go and travel the world, you know, yes, as I felt. Yes. 
I was more of a home bird, really, even though I got to Canada now for three years. <laughs> but I have to say, that, I mean, those time, the, those years you spent inside the Jesuits, what, that, two or three years was it? Uh, two years. Two so. years. That was a tremendous experience. I mean, all those people you met, whether in prisons or wherever yeah. it was. So then, okay, you spoke with uh, Bishop Donnelly, you accepted it. So then the next step was? I got to my house, so it was, which was a um, complete different uh, change, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I was lucky, uh, I missed, um, I, I just, I mean, usually if lads are trained for the Dawson priesthood, they start off in uh, doing an arts course, first of mm-hmm. all, usually philosophy. Um, the reason that the church wants uh, seminarians to do philosophy is to sharpen their critical faculties, you not know, be able to analyze and reflect and, okay. on situations, you know, and analyze them from a good measuring point which would be Catholic philosophy you know? yeah, yeah, so yeah. obviously when you're a priest in the parish you need to analyse and you know, um, be able to reflect on people and situations and yeah. just mm-hmm. to sharpen those skills <clears throat> and um, but because I had philosophy done and because I'd spent two years with the Jesuits I went straight into first divinity <clears throat> so I entered mm-hmm. um, Minute in um, September 98 and I was ordained a deacon in um yeah, but the toes no one, so must be some type of record. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was. And so uh, the big day, uh, ordination day to priesthood? Oh, yeah, it, was, it just felt right. I mean, when you're um, in the seminary, each year you apply for certain orders. I mean, Mm-mm. one year you're applying to become a reader, become an acolyte, yes. become a candidate. After each year you're, you're applying for certain orders. And um, that, that's the reason. Uh, I think ultimately that's like the seminary council giving you the, the green light to move on to the next level. You yes, know? okay. So, I mean, uh, <clears throat> when you're finished doing all your your pastoral placements and your, your, your time in formation and obviously studying to do a degree in theology mm-hmm. at the same time and involved in various other uh, aspects of life in the seminary, um, but I mean, I, I got involved in things in the seminary. I used to be involved in the drama society, and um, I was involved in the choir, which was amazing. Because I'm like Father, Father Bishop Francis should say, <clears throat> I wouldn't be a great singer. Father <laughs> Francis, great singer. But he's a tremendous singer. Yeah. I mean, I, I can sing along. Okay, I mean? okay. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I could be in the church choir, but yeah. I couldn't be a soloist. But, but I, I was in the, um, the the college choir, which was great sense of feeling. You belonged and you yeah. know, just get involved uh, you know, playing soccer with um, with uh, the, with Manute. So I got to, I got to go to Paris with, uh, playing soccer with Manute, and I also got uh, against against seminarians from Trot Europe, you know. And, uh, yeah, yeah. and I also got with the choir to go to a Gregorian festival in oh, um, in Belgium, Watoon, I think. Hidden talents that we don't know about. <laughs> we haven't known about for the last years. I don't know years. my voice has uh, kind uh, of gone uh, to stage. Well, tell me just along the way, you know, uh, and uh, I mean, there's obviously all those years of discernment and seminary and for yourself even before that when would you say was the moment when you had yeah this is what I want I want please I know it was in your life all the time well but maybe I, I think there, as I said like going back to that time in England when the, York, the guy in, that was a real epiphany that this is it priest in that was like this is yeah. what I feel God is calling me to do and then walking in the pilgrimage in Spain if I just call it the priest, but the call it the diocesan priest, okay, yeah. as opposed to religious orders. And so that was it. But it was all a continuation from this yes moment, you know. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Yeah. And so you're ordained when, Father? Uh, 2002. 2002, yeah. yeah. 2002, actually, um, which uh, the Padre Pio was canonized. Um, I think it was like 
very tremendously hot day in Rome, yeah. um, where they're actually hosing down the the pilgrims that arrived for the the the, 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 the canonization mass for Padre Pio with water. Uh-huh. <laughs> Whereas, like, it was last rain <laughs> in Limerick the day of Rome. I was actually the Ireland were playing Spain the World Cup that day too. Ah, <laughs> I tell you, something so right. so yeah, to not happening. <laughs> but you remember the action. It was Father's Day too, actually. Yeah, my poor dad. <laughs> so it's so, like, so a great day for the family as well and oh, friends well, and friends. A tremendous day. Yeah, you know, it's a day we'll forget. Are then, and then it takes a while then for the bishop to place you. And while I was waiting to be placed, I, I helped out in the the regional hospital, okay, at the university hospital, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, as a chaplain, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so your first assignment? Uh, well, after working as the chaplain uh, here in Newcastle West, I've been in Newcastle West 13 years. Wow, that's a long time. Oh, it's tremendous. I'm a brilliant parish, I worked with a brilliant priest like you know, Father Frank Duick, you know, very sincere, Fantastic. genuine, yeah, hard-working uh, man, you know. A very busy parish. Oh, yeah, even last week, like, I mean, as I said, as I said previous, I'm kind of planning to to move off to Canada and even right. last week I had like three weddings and three funerals you know wow, wow. Yeah, one day at a funeral in the morning a very sad uh, funeral actually and then a wedding in the afternoon I uh, go from one to the other it's yeah. very, you know and I mean just going back to your time in philosophy and so on and so forth that's at a shop and all these all these well, I did, but I also told you the course, a uh, chaplaincy course in, in Tralee, it's called the CPE course. Mm-mm. We did that as a deacon, and it's basically to learn how to listen to people and be with people and mm. empathize with people, you know. I mean, the idea is sometimes you feel like um, um, you're not there to feel sorry for people, you're there to be with people, yeah. you know. Because then if, if you're feeling sorry for a person, it kind of puts you in a position of... Yeah. Um, authority maybe or yeah. in terms of a power dynamic I think you have to be with people as opposed to you know like uh, that you're with them I mean, that you're not somehow superior to them yeah, yeah, you know yeah, I think okay. that's the idea so that, like, I think to, to teach how to empathise with people more than feel sorry for them and it's to, to be able to tune into people's emotions and feelings and if you ask me what priesthood is essentially about it's about presence you know yeah, yeah, it's yeah. about being with people um uh, sharing in their joys like baptisms, first communion days, weddings, um, and happy occasions like that, and, and being with them uh, through sickness and uh, being with a person you know, when they're dying, you know, and um, to give them the consolation of the faith. Uh, like to, 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 to even the sacraments we have, like absolution and the holy oils, uh, yeah. they're, they're tremendous sacraments that can bring great peace to people who are. They'd be facing death, it just takes their, can take their fear away. Yeah. Especially if they're being troubled or worried about something that they might have done years ago, you know. Mm-mm. You just absolve them, you just give them tremendous peace. And it's a tremendous privilege to be able to um, be an instrument of, you know, a channel uh, yeah, yeah, for lovely. God's grace in that situation, you know. One of the things that people would, would always ask me to ask a priest, and uh, it's never applied, I've never got... Uh, uh, an answer to this, a very um, sort of negative answer, but um, is it a lonely life? And I'd say, from Father, from Father Richard's point of view, I don't think you have a lonely life, do you? Oh, no, far from it. Like, uh, it but uh, we see, it might be older for, or it might be more lonely for older people. I think when you're young, you're out about, like you, you, your parents are still alive. You know, yeah, you still yeah. have a home, and and like you, you have tremendous energy, and you're. Um, you're out and about, and, and you're, you're with people, you know. I suppose as you get older, 
Um, it did say obviously when when the, when the priest's parents pass away, it's a very yeah. sad time for a priest yeah, because yeah. that's home, you know. And oh yes, yeah. Like yeah. I mean, your presbytery for me is never really your home. Like it's yeah. like an office in many ways. You know? Yes, yes, yes. Um, your your home for me, I don't know, it might be different for the priest, but home for me is always been where my mother and father lived. My, my poor father passed away in 2012, know, sadly, you know. But my mother, thank God, she's still going strong, and um, that's that's home. So I, I'd imagine. Um, once a priest loses the mother and father, that sense of home can be gone, which can be quite uh, difficult, I'd say, for all the priests. But yes. when you're young, you've, it's you not such you. a problem, you know. And, I mean, people, I mean, priests obviously have hobbies and interests oh, yeah, and yeah. relaxation, and you, you you have a little bit of time for that? Oh, uh, I do. I think once a week, I think after, because, I mean, I play golf once a week, and it's important, obviously, to keep yourself physically fit, you know, and, yeah. and mentally fit. And give yourself uh, a break, too. Uh, you yeah, know? absolutely, because, I mean, uh, when I first came to the parish, when I was in Boyle, Tommy Richardson marathon, not a sprint. Yes. So, I mean, like, we have uh, X amount of sick calls to do with X amount um of funerals to face, you have yeah. to be, uh, you have to have the energy to do it. You yeah, know? yeah, 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 yeah. You have to, and you are neglecting your parish if you don't look after your own health. Because you don't want to just have one great year, you want to have 10, 12, 13 great years in the parish. Beautiful. Memories, uplifting, sad. I mean, obviously, an uplifting memory would have been there back in Huddersfield, maybe. Oh, yes, uplifting uh, memories. Uh, tremendous times in uh, Newcastle West. By God, uh, first community masses were tremendous sport for. <laughs> The English-speaking schools at the court, the Kilkenny school, also for the Grail school, uh, the Irish music can be very uplifting. Yeah. Um, bringing the secondary schools to Lourdes, I always thought that was um, Lovely, that, yeah. that was fabulous. Where we used to bring them there for the. Uh, the week where the disabled children would be there. Oh, and it. we used to bring all these adolescent adolescents over about the age of 16, 17. It's to open their eyes to see all these young uh, children, disabled children, on wheelchairs with smiles on their faces. Mm-hmm. And like the liturgies, uh, the masses they have for disabled children are fantastic. Great life, spirit, music in them, you know, uplifting. So that's, that's tremendously uplifting to see. Um, the way that the, 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 the Catholic Church can put a smile on people's faces when, when the Catholic spirit is channeled in the correct, positive way. Yeah. Going to Medjugorje to uh, the youth festival there. Oh, fantastic. Oh, 70,000. Yeah. The number Lovely. of young people with tremendous faith and celebrating their faith, but also to um, um, appreciate the silence as well. You know, I think that's the... Yeah, yeah. I really like that contrast to be like clapping their hands and singing and dancing then they'd be sure uh, experiencing the peace and silence oh, yeah as well and uh, that, you know sad that, memory obviously is my poor father passing away but it was a tremendous privilege to be able to do his mass you know no right. sad funerals whether there would have been to accidents or um, yes to young people uh, dying of cancer and dealing with their families and um, or, uh, or, or to uh suicide or anything those are the sad memories but at the same time too you feel that the Catholic faith is something to offer you know it's, it's the hope uh, the, the everlasting life um, resurrection you know that um, the soul living on I think there's there's something there that gives us a bit of comfort and strength and gives some people something to hold on to you know and that leads to the next question you know I mean where would you see the church in the next few years now as these young people that you brought to Lourdes as adolescents and now they're coming into their 30s and their 40s? Well, I think the church obviously is going through a time of change. There's no doubt about that. You can see the decreasing number of priests, you mm-hmm. know. So there's a synod going on at the moment, yeah. um, which is mm-hmm. going to lead probably to the drawing up of 
pastoral plans. And hopefully, like, through the whole process, um, I think because we have a system at the moment was designed for X amount of priests. Yeah, like, well, yeah, yeah. When every uh, church on the dice will be full, you know. Yeah, yeah. And now we have a different, now, now we have a lesser amount of priests, you know, and maybe uh, less people going to mm. the individual churches. I think we need to pool our resources, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And our par- individual parish identity is vitally important, but I think we need to balance that with a, a realistic kind of... Um, um, vision that with the priest with the decreasing mm. amount of priests we have you know like I think instead of having um, priests flying around to separate churches there might be um, a quarter full you know yeah, that yeah, you can yeah. maybe have central yeah. places and mm. fill up the church there and pool the resources that we that the that the resource that we have in surrounding areas into one mm. tremendous celebration while at the same time you know utilising those other churches for various events mm-hmm. just, however it's done I think the reality is that we need to to gather up what we have yeah and do not be spreading the butter too thin no 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 very good very good tell me Father what do you think people expect of a priest um, to be there for them mm. to be mm. there with them I should say yeah. to, mm-hmm. be there, to be there to be available to be present to be there with them you know to be there with them you know to be a rock really and I think um, the idea is that as a priest you're sharing your faith and your hope and your love with them okay mm-hmm. at the end of the day a priest can only share what he has yeah. so I mean so a priest needs to pray uh, Father uh, John Walkler um, mm. priest on Newcastle West he said um, when he was a seminarian there he had in Rome he had a tremendous privilege of um Serving um, a mass for Pope John Paul II, the other saint, Pope John Paul II. And afterwards, um, Pope John Paul II, he spoke to the seminary and said, Never give up praying the breviary, yeah. which is the church's prayer every day for the morning, afternoon, evening, and night time. It's important that a priest prays, you know, and charges up his own faith, mm. his own hope, his own love, mm. and share that with people. Yeah, that's what he's all so about. So people want to be their hope, um, they want to be a compassion. They want to be their kindness and they want to be their love. And the only way a priest can continuously do that is if he's allowing himself to experience the love that God has for him by spending time in prayer. You have to share what you have, you know. Mm-hmm. We have to feel loved by God. We have to share it with other people. I think that's what people want from priests, mm-hmm. uh, to feel loved and to, 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 um, to experience kindness and compassion. Father, if there was somebody listening to this just towards the end of the interview now, if there was somebody listening to this interview, a young person, and this is the year of the consecrated life, uh, whether it be a, a, a young lady or a young man, and said, you know what, Father Richard said, no, it doesn't sound to be that bad at all. I mean, what sort of advice would you give to a young fellow? Or a young well, I think man? if anybody feels uh, a calling uh, at all, they should maybe go to the local priest or local, local um um, uh, sister and um, and speak about it. You know, I think that would mm. be a good way to start. And and the whole thing that Jesus had his invitation, come and see. You know, yeah, so come and see. Yeah. I think, um, and then let the person discern and if they find out maybe God is calling them to be a married person. <clears throat> well, well and good, but um, the process of discerning will help them to be a better Catholic. You yes, know? So yeah. I think no matter what, I think if you feel that God is calling you to explore this way of life. I'd say give it a go because no matter what happens, um, if you become a priest or a religious or if you end up becoming a, a committed lay person, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. that you will have a deeper sense of faith, definitely. You know? So don't be afraid. Come and see and 
we were at this moment would be delighted and very welcoming to anybody who feels they, they might be called away. Perfect. Now, j- j- just one last question. Now, you live in Newcastle West mm. and you're moving further afield. Tell me, wh- what's that all about? I got to Canada to become a, 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 a canon lawyer, which is like the whole church legal um, stuff. So I think that um, um, so the, bishop, the church office needs canon lawyers for certain things. Um, the marriage tribunal, you know, kind of elements, mm. that type of thing. What a type of legal, any, anything that's legally connected to the church. So but this involves perhaps how sacraments are administered, um, any um, issues about property, anything about anything, anything about how the churches are run. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and um, in terms of its mission and maintenance, anything about the, how the church does its um, business is is, is 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 controlled by canon law. So I think obviously bishops and, and priests need to know exactly what they can do, you know, uh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. what they're able to do. And so I mean, I'm just starting you know, but I have an idea that it's about um, uh, the church law and how uh, best the church can um, can uh, pursue its mission, you know. And, well, I mean, it is, what, a few years, is it? No? It's two years to uh, get my license, you know, to, to practice. Um, I've been doing a, a master's all year in Minute, like, and kind of juggling that with a very busy pastoral and situation. Very, you know? Yeah. And, and so the idea at the end of this, Father, is what, are, are, are you back to the diocese again? Yeah, well, um, I'm going back sure. to the diocese in two years' time, obviously, to make myself available uh, to the bishop. Um, mm. There's various... Um, uh, possibilities and options a bishop has with a um, uh, with a kind of lawyer can ask you to go on a marriage tribunal, for example. Mm-hmm. So I just make, present myself, make myself available to Bishop uh, Brindley in two years' time with my license to practice kind of law and to see where to just be. Oh, uh, where it goes. Uh, yeah, what he'd like me to do with that. So I think that's um, obviously bishops need kind of lawyers and I make myself available um, for it and um, to serve the church in that capacity, maybe with a balance of parish life and you know looking after uh, church's legal so affairs as well you know beautiful well, last question and actually this question I always ask people because I heard it actually at the ordination uh, to uh, Bishop Leahy when, when, when he said you know what would you say now to, to people Father who are just hanging on to their faith by their fingernails you know, there's there's a lot of negative stuff out there now these days. I say keep hanging on. Like the faith isn't about like um, negative things that individual priests or religious have done. The faith is about God's love for us. You know, it's mm. about hope. It's a tremendous gift. And I think when you're facing a funeral or, uh, or anything or a difficult moment in life or a struggle or a loss, I mean to, to be able to face that loss with faith, you know, it is is mm. is a tremendous mm. gift because even though. The last of my own father, mm. um, to believe in heaven, to believe in, in a, a loving, compassionate saviour, mm. to believe that my father lives on and will always love me and always be close to me, that that, that allows you that allows you to see light at the end of every tunnel. You know, gives you peace and grace, and in the face of any loss, and no matter what happens, you know all will be well. So even if you're just hanging on to um, the faith by the fingernails, keep hanging. Father, thank you very much indeed for for really uh, taking some time at this moment. I know you're very, very busy. Just before you go, would you mind giving us your blessing, please, on behalf of all the people who listen to Sacred Space each Sunday morning? Thanks, Father. Through the intercession of Our Lady Queen of Peace, St. Joseph and Padre Pio, may God Almighty Father send all of you His holy, healing, and consoling spirit. Send you His peace, His grace, and His strength to carry on 
through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And mighty God bless, guide, and protect you all, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Richard, thank you so much, and praise God, he'll continue to guide you with the rest of your priesthood. God bless you now. Bye-bye. Thank you very much, John.
Sacred Space on West Limerick 102.